Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Petra Zink. Petra, thank you for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I am looking forward to this. I have uh, we connected on LinkedIn and and uh, have just stayed in contact and, and through Facebook as well. But uh, I uh, was talking to you off camera just about how busy you seem to to be right now. It's crazy, and we'll and we'll circle back on that later. But tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about Petra Zink. Yes, um, so I'm born in Austria. Came to Australia ten and a bit years ago, and I just fell in love with Brisbane where I live now in Queensland. And even though I came for six months initially, I never left. <laughs> and in this last decade, my world seems to have changed like three and a bit times already, which is super exciting. And, you know, I still feel there's so much more to come. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to what the future holds for us. So what brought you to Australia in the first place? I came initially for, you know, just staying for six months with my ex-husband. To be honest, I pushed him a little bit to come to Australia. I always had the idea since I was little that I was living in another country. Even when I was four years old, I always told my parents. And this was not a thing with our family that we would ever move away from where we grew up. So, you know, my entire family lives within 15 minutes to where they grew up. So me being in another country was, I did not know that, but I could feel that that was a thing eventually. So when we had the chance uh, to come to Australia, I pushed for it quite hard, to be honest. And in the second I came, I arrived here, I felt like home. I thought, this is going to be good. I'm not sure what it is. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a job or anything like that, but it is going to be good. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with the lifestyle, with the people, with the weather. And um, started initially, you know, just wanted to do my third four in personal training because I've always had at least two or three jobs um, since I was little. I always had a portfolio career without knowing that that was a thing. <laughs> and I thought it would be great to have my internal qualification, go back to Austria, um, expand it a little bit further. But things have not turned out that way. And it was in a very good way because it, I'm now at a stage where I couldn't have never imagined to be in a very good way. So what was um, so the yeah. transition? Yeah, walk through the transition of when you first got there and the job you had then and, and kind of walk us through the journey of where you are now. Yes. So I always thought marketing in FMCG, fast moving consumer goods, is my thing. The one and only thing, <laughs> to be honest. So I dedicated my um, studies to it. So I've got a master's in marketing and have you know industry experience. I've built my network in that industry. And I thought this was it. And I climbed the mountain very quickly. And it was in the birthday months when I turned 30 that I looked back. Because, you know, for me, 30 was always this magical uh, year or age. And I don't know what it was. But again, since early on, 30, I've made it by then. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked back on it and I thought, you know, I've got the senior role. I've got the budgets that come with it. I've got the salary. I've got the status. I've got the team. I've got this beautiful apartment on the river. On paper, I've got everything. And you know what? I hated every second as well. I thought, this can't be it. 
you know, Sunday afternoon comes around, my stomach turns upside down to thinking about the week ahead. On a Monday, I thought, how can I make it as quickly as possible to Friday again? I put on a lot of weight, even though I didn't eat much, but because I had so much stress just thinking about it, sweaty nights, and it was just horrible. And on top of that, you know, I was, um, I grew up in a family where hard work and long hours was rewarded. And this is kind of part of your yeah, uh, work ethic. That's right. Yeah. The more you work, the more you earn, the more you are worth. So I just worked my little bottom off um, <laughs> to progress. And, you know, I progressed quickly. And same in my last role. I was the first one in, the last one out. So you can imagine when I got called into my director's office that I was expecting the promotion that I've worked towards. And I got put on a performance improvement plan because I did not and it just shook my world because this is certainly not what I expected. So because I realized that I was kind of on the chopping board, I had to get out of this. I didn't realize at that time that it was a very toxic environment. So I was questioning my abilities, my knowledge, if I just wasted 10 years of my life in the wrong career, because I clearly am not good enough or not that good that I thought that I would be. So I looked for other options and started to have conversations with companies and that was also the time when social media and digital marketing became a thing and the issue here was that i progressed so quickly in strategic roles and senior roles that i was actually never hands-on on the mm, marketing yeah side. that makes sense yeah that kind of trend kind of passed me i knew it was there clearly but i could brief agencies or more junior staff to actually execute so when you said yeah you can join us as social media marketing manager i was like mm, Actually, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and if you reach a certain seniority level, you've got a certain income. And with that, a certain lifestyle. And by then, I was actually getting divorced at the same year also. And I thought, I have to look after myself. There's, there's no security net. So I can't go back to a coordinator level, upskill, and then slowly progress my way back into that field. Right. I need to do something different. Long story short, I met with a recruiter who asked me if I wanted to get into recruitment. And my first reaction was, no, (laughs) 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 but what I thought about was that it probably isn't the bad um, decision because she said there is a marketing desk available. And I thought it would be a good way for me to build connections and my network because I also didn't know anyone. I looked after big brands, but from the back end, nobody knew me as a person. They knew the brands. Right. Um, Right. So I said, well, let's do this. And, you know, again, the universe didn't mean it that easy with me because they said in the end, actually, no, um, you don't have experience. So, you know, you can't have this role anymore. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But by then I was already fixated on, I wanted to get into this field that I just applied with every other agency. And I got exactly the same answer. You don't have the sales experience and we also don't think we can teach you that. And it was through a personal connection that I got in front of one agency who kind of took the leap and I said, we see something in you, not quite sure what it is, but, um, so Austrian work ethic, obviously <laughs> is what they saw. <laughs> and they also said, well, there's a little uh, condition there. Digital apparently becomes a thing. So you need to start this new desk. We don't have a client and we also don't have a candidate, but because our policy is that you have to build within three months. Um, otherwise you're out. This is also what we have to put towards you. And I just thought, I have no idea what digital marketing is. I have no idea what, how recruitment works. I just said, yeah, okay, I'll take that. But you had three months to figure it out. You, exactly. They gave you three months to figure it out. So yeah. go, go back just a second about 
I want to go back maybe two jobs back. I, I, I wanted to, to ask you about this. Go back to the day that you walked into that office and you found out that you were put on like a performance plan. How much of that was a, an insecure boss versus truly, I mean, were you, were you doing things? I mean, can, you know, looking back, were you doing some things you were thinking, was I kind of comfortable in my job? Was I, was I not performing as a high level as I thought I was, or was it truly, they just did not understand what I was doing? I think it was a combination of um, everything. So it was also, by then I had a strong work ethic and I always had that, but I thought the more I work, they will see that I'm good, but I wasn't mm. able to communicate properly. There was also a lot of office politics going yeah. on and I was never a, a fan of that, so I was never part of it. But that also meant I wasn't part of that kind of network who kind of formed the network against me. Right. So I had to watch my back. And to be honest, in most of my other jobs, it was also toxic environments. So I thought, this is just normal. The higher you get, the more miserable you are. This mm. is just what's part of a successful career. Well, what a um, sad commentary that, that the higher you get, the more toxic environment. Plus you're operating in, in it's not even your native, native, native tongue, your native language. So, you know, you mm. are already trying to operate in a second or third language, you know, at that time. So yeah, that, it, that amazes me. <laughs> but you know what, uh, those kind of adversity situations always get the best out of me because you have to find another way and make it work. And if there's no urgency, we usually don't act because we are, as you said. Exactly. Why should we change anything when it's good? It's easy to go from bad to good. It's not easy to go from good to great because that means to give up something that works. But in the pursuit of ch uh, chasing something better, we often have to do this. And Say that again. Say that again. That is so, that's gold. We, did, we can't just fly by that one. You got to <laughs> go back and talk about the, the, how to move from good to great. <laughs> Well, from good to great means that you are leaving a comfortable situation and position. And this is what the human brain is wired. Stay safe. We know it works what we are doing. We're not getting attacked. We're not getting killed. You know, we've got income. We've got the roof over our top. Why would you change anything? It doesn't even make sense. And this is also from the mesto hierarchy where most people get stuck in the second layer, the safety part. Yeah. And just doing the day to day because we know exactly what happens tomorrow and the day after and three years from now. But if you want to pursue self, um, 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 what's the word for it? Self-actualization, now I've got it. Uh, you need to push through that. And that requires a lot of discomfort and a stretch. But at the same time, this is also how we grow. And if we have never been exposed to a new situation, new people, new environments, new tasks, we'll never know if we enjoy it, if we maybe even good at it and become the best at it because we have a natural tendency already and this is exactly what happened to me i thought marketing because that was my only bubble that i could see in this very niche industry also was my one thing and i didn't know that there is something else outside this bubble so if i wouldn't have been forced to actually explore that i would have never gotten to where i am now which you know i'm excited every single day that i actually can get up and i get up before my alarm which i didn't have before either so this just big change is worth pushing when things go hard and still pursuing it um, because it will pay off. So let's, let's go to the day that you were working for the, for an agency for the last day and you knew you were walking out and you were going to kind of start something on your own. I, did, did you 
did you run these kind of in parallel for a while? Like, did you start doing like a side side hustle for a little bit and kind of work that that uh, work your clientele up a little bit before you quit, or did you just kind of quit and walk out the door? Yeah, well, going into recruitment meant that I built a network, and because I didn't know how recruitment works, I just had my goal to interview, you know, hundreds of people. And this is how I built my network and with the relationships that I didn't have before when I was in the marketing industry. So what I did, I always felt there was something else. I couldn't explain it because my ideal career bubble was always, I'm working in this high riser in the city. I've got, you know, the fancy shoes and all of that. The cliche, honestly, it was the cliche career until I had it and I hated it. I thought I, I kind of always come to my limit about 18 months interval. I'm getting bored. I've been there, I've done that, I want to do something else. That's just but, an entrepreneur. <laughs> that is just an entrepreneur. <laughs> my parents are both entrepreneurs. I always say, I'm not becoming one of them. I want to have a small income. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going into the corporate role and stay there forever. <laughs> but, you know, I, I saw this tendency that, you know, I always push the button. And even in my uh, first recruitment role, because I didn't come from that field, I did things differently. I used my marketing knowledge and just, um, aligned it with my strength. I'm not a phone call person and recruitment is all about how many phone calls can you make? You know, I made probably three in my life, if that, because that's not what I am. And I put out different marketing material and content and I got a call every single week from our marketing department saying, we love what you do, but you can't do this anymore because it's not aligned with our brand. I was like, all right, yeah, thank you for the feedback. I'll talk to you next week. It was literally a weekly call and I still did it anyway because it worked for me. <laughs> and this is when I realized there must be something else. So I started to explore what could be the something else because you just don't know any better. And it was probably two years that I did uh, moonlighting. So I worked big hours in my job because I had a big team to lead and then um, exercise and from eight to mid eight o'clock to midnight every day uh, during the week I worked and then on the weekend I did another eight hours so I did probably 50 60 hours in my day job and then 40 hours in my wow. hobby so yeah. I didn't make any income by then but because I had this drive that there must be something else that I could do I built something and I shaped it and from the initial idea to what it was then and my logo and all of that to what it's now like there are moons and worlds and everything in between it's not even close to where it was but you need to start somewhere in order to pivot and i think this is also where people are getting stuck they're too afraid that they make the wrong move or the wrong mm -hmm. decision yeah so they're not doing anything but if you don't experience it you can't think about what could be the right decision because you just don't know what was the first what was the first iteration of your of your job or or, or the of the startup your startup what what did it look like compared to what it looks like today well it was always called impact um but it was actually from a different angle to start with because i realized when i was in recruitment that so many companies are struggling to find the best talents and because i had the recruitment background and the marketing background i thought this is something that i can actually offer on top of my just the day-to-day -day recruitment um, delivery in my day job but help companies to develop their marketing campaigns so that we can actually attract the best talents. And that's not in conflict of interest either. Right. And that was for six years ago now. And recruitment marketing is now a big thing. Six years ago, everyone was looking at me, it's like, huh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, it wasn't a thing. So I had to explain it so often what it actually means. 
and I had a couple of clients, but it was not enough to actually make that work properly. And then I just switched the blinker because in recruitment, there's one person you can place into this one job. Mm -hmm. You've got at least 80, 90, sometimes 300 candidates applying, which means you have to say no to all the others. Right. And they are not per se, they are just not the quite right fit for this role. So what I also realized, because my specialization, forced specialization initially, and now it couldn't have been a better one, is digital and technology. And what I saw is that especially those technical experts are amazing in what they're doing, mm -hmm. but they have no idea how to sell themselves. Yep. And this is what I saw myself also. I worked, I, I was doing doing in the hope that somebody will recognize my big value, but nobody does. Everyone is so busy with themselves. If you don't actually put it out there and say, I'm working so hard because I want to get promoted, not because I love it so much, nobody knows that. And this is what I thought, well, if I can help them to position themselves in that way and market them with language, with LinkedIn profiles, with a CV, with proper interview answers, they can do whatever they want and actually progress. And this is how I discovered personal branding, that it was actually kind of a thing because I, I still did it for my candidates anyway, but not in a super structured form because, you know, it was also new for me. I just applied everything that worked for me, that worked with my background in marketing, but also combined with the new trends, which was, you know, LinkedIn, especially by, by then, um, and put that together. And I thought everyone is saying they want to make an impact when I'm asking them, so what do you want to do in your next role? I don't know, but I want to make an impact. And I heard that from the juniors to the senior executives. I thought, what does it even mean? Like for a junior, when you get 45 grand, this is, they're making an impact already. For a senior executive, they want to change the world. But how can you systemize that? And this is where I came up with my process, when you can clarify what it actually is that you want to achieve and what you want to stand for. And you're able to communicate it in a way that resonates with your decision makers, then you can capitalize on it. Right. Meaning you can run it with your point of difference in any given situation. And this is where I thought, Bang, this is it. <laughs> there you saw the, the crossroads. You saw the intersection. So I, I mean, I love the idea that you, how you, you kind of describe the situation where you may have a role that has 300 applicants and 299 of those applicants are going to be disappointed because there's only one job for one, one person. But it's interesting because the other 299 are probably very talented and they need help. So, you know, you're, you can almost like, let me help you become the one next time. You know, exactly. let, let me help you refine, you know, how you market yourself. And uh, you really, you took a different tact in recruiting. You, instead of re recruiting toward the company and toward the position, you were, you were talking about the candidate. You were helping the candidate be a better candidate, you know, for, yeah. the, for the next job. So if you and I are going to step on an elevator and we're going to go up 10 floors, give me your best sales pitch, you know, from Impact. The best sales pitch from Impact? Well, I always say, you know, being better is not good enough anymore. Being different is what makes all the difference. Meaning you can't try to have another certification, another degree, another 10 years experience to be considered for the next gig, for the speaking engagement, for the board role. Because there is still no point of difference. You're still a commodity because people are uh, comparing you to another person who's got exactly the same experience, the degrees, and maybe charges 10 grand less. So if I haven't clarified what is my point of difference, then how can I expect somebody else to see that point of difference and value that, that I get paid for it? So this is exactly what 
we figure out what is it that you are naturally already are and get become more of who you are rather than trying to be somebody who you're not. And, you know, unfortunately, no one in traditional education teaches us that. We're getting taught, what do you need to do to become an accountant? All the technical steps, right. which is great. But in the end, if you don't know how to market yourself, you constantly lose out, even though you might be the very best. Because nobody teaches you as to what can you, how can you identify what's your point of difference? Because this is what, you know, you're the only person in this world the way you are. Mm-hmm. And nobody can compete with that. So if you don't own your point of difference, then you're always just a commodity and never ever get to this next level. Whereas if you say, I want to stand for everything that I am, who I am, for who I am for, this is where you can really make an impact. So are, do you work with universities sometimes? Like I do, with, yes. with graduates yeah. that are coming in through the programs? And that, because it seems like a perfect fit, you know, of, of what you're trying to do, because universities love to advertise you know, hey, we place 98% of our graduates in, in jobs within six months or whatever. If I, if I was a university and I had an opportunity to work with somebody like you that could even make my candidates better, you know, look better on their CV or look better on their resume or their LinkedIn profile or whatever, I would see real value in that for sure. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit right now, okay? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to give me a 30-second coaching job on what you know of me Tell me what you think the strengths that I would need to I would need to really uh, put on my CV to to shine. Well, on your CV, it's a, a small or a limited exposure because you only put your CV to an actual role. As okay, well, you can you can use my social media. You can use whatever. Yes. Well, speaking of social media, this is already the first point of um, contact that a lot of decision makers see the first time. So this is the chance to make an impression, the right impression, hopefully, because I always say perception is reality. So what people see is what they think is reality. If it's the real reality or if it's their reality, no difference. And I always say you are in control of what you put out there. So if you are clear about your brand, what you actually want to stand for, then it's easy to communicate it. Otherwise, you're getting st- stuck in this box where they feel you fit in. So in terms of what you put out there is where you actually want to go rather than where you are or where you have been. Because otherwise, you're just getting put straight into that box. Right. But if you have more career aspirations and you actually want to become a speaker or you want to get onto this board or you want to become a CEO of a company and you're just starting as a graduate, then you, you want to put that in there. It shows also your personality, your drive, and the reason why you're doing what you're doing. And again, this is your point of difference. So, okay, you and I have talked offline. We've, we've, we've uh, you know, had a couple of chats, certainly engaged on social media. What do you think, if you, were, if you were coaching me, what would be the things that you think I need to highlight? I would start with what would be your topic that you would talk about if I put you in front of 5,000 people and you've got 45 minutes time to talk about this and you do it tomorrow. So there's not much preparation. What is it that you're so passionate about that you could talk like that for 45 minutes in front of a large audience that you can influence with your message? I think I just walked off stage and threw up. I think when you... <laughs> Mic drop before the speech. Exactly right. I'm sorry. Is there five thousand people there? Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a lot of things. Travel. I I think you know just how how I mean international relations. I mean how countries interface with each other. 
I think I, I would love to talk about international business and, and an odd an odd interest of mine is tiny houses. So um, all those together, yeah. Well, that's already an interesting combination because on the one hand, you like travel, which for me means freedom, flexibility, learning, exploration. But at the same time, you want to have tiny houses, which is boxing in. <laughs> but see that it gives you freedom so you can travel so there's you know it's lower mortgages yeah, the other so there's there's something there that, yeah so maybe that entrepreneurial gear there's something so so yes. for sure yeah that's a that's a great way to start exactly and this is now what makes me interested to know more about you it's like oh this totally makes sense when you declutter from your day-to-day -day life that you've got more freedom for a life that you actually want to live totally makes sense now I would be more interested to get to know you. And this is where it's not, I wouldn't know if you've got 20 years experience, 27 years, if you've got one degree, 17 degrees, I actually don't care because I would forget it tomorrow anyway. But what I would remember is like, oh my God, this guy with this, you know, made, uh, with the tendency to travel, but when I have this tiny little house, this <laughs> is what's different. And then this is what we want from people to associate with us. This point of difference, this quirkiness, yeah. Yeah. you know, no one else can compete with because it's not my story, it's your story. Right. Plus, it makes that's what makes me different. I mean, what you just said, being good, being better is not good enough anymore. You have to be different. And, and I, I really like that. So this is a this is actually a perfect way, perfect time to, I think, kind of segue into like a current state of events. You know, I told you before we hit the record button that I really wanted you to kind of drill down a little bit about, you know, in the kind of coronavirus, you know, era that we find ourselves in with COVID-19 COVID and Tell me how you your how it's impacted your business and how you're kind of readjusting or resetting or pivoting or whatever it is you know in this particular space to kind of navigate through this because I mean if if you watch you on social media you are very very active and very positive very enthusiastic so I, I want to commend you on that for first of all but I want to just give you space to kind of kind of share how you're walking through this. No, oh, thank you. Well. To be honest, it hit me hard, quite hard, to be honest. I started talking, so I've got two businesses. One is my B2B company and the other one is my B2C. So I've got Impact for individuals and then I've got the 360 Talent Co working with companies and their leaders. And both companies are designed to be, to prepare for the future of work. So when I started talking with companies about two years ago that they need to get ready for the future of work, exactly, everyone's like, mm, not sure if we need this. Yeah, and I was talking about having those flexible work arrangements, uh, having technology set up that everyone can work flexibly, upskilling leadership that they can lead a remote team while staying productive, while staying engaged and positive. And it was like, no, nah, we prefer having people next to each other. And you know, there was a lot of resistance even from the big companies, to be honest. Right. They're always the innovators who are like, yeah, we do this and we disrupt ourselves. So that was great. And now with so much happening there, even though I've had a lot of uh, projects signed off, contracts signed, they still said we have to postpone or cancel it because we have to cut budget. So pretty much 95% of my revenue from that fell through straight away. Mm -hmm. Also my speaking engagements, I had six speaking engagements, which, you know, again, a quite a big chunk of my income was can canceled because the conference was blocked. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, I need to do something differently very quickly because otherwise it's not going to sustain. And also at the same time with um, my B2C business with Impact, I also saw that a lot of individuals were impacted. So they couldn't afford necessarily the one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is quite intense. 
but this is also what gets you the quickest results. So what I looked at, and you know, I always say disrupt yourself before you get disrupted, because of those kind of situations, it might be now coronavirus, but in the end it could be a redundancy. It could be a divorce. It could be a sickness that forces you to do something differently without you wanting to do it. Um, and because it happened to me in my first role that I was just taken by surprise and I had to do something differently, I embraced the change now. And I constantly pushed the buttons and said, so I'm comfortable already, so I'm doing something wrong. What can I do to get uncomfortable again? <laughs> and at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, what does it even mean? I was in shock, but at the same time, I was so excited. So I was like, ups and downs in the same seconds, literally. And what I did is, again, looking around the corner. I'm a big fan of going where the ball is going and not where it's now. So I just read a little bit between the lines and you know, I realized, well, the future of work, what we've been predicting for the last decade, to be honest, nothing is new what's happening at the moment. It's not bad. This is exactly what I wanted to happen because that was already the, the, ten, uh, the trends going towards anyway. So what I realized was that companies probably don't want to do the leadership retreats, the big gatherings anymore, the big conferences where a big chunk of my income was. So how can we translate that online? Simply taking the offline content online doesn't work either. Um, so what I also realized is that so many people are now getting redu made redundant. They want to use this opportunity to reinvent themselves. But because they've been doing what they've been doing for so long, they don't know how to do it. And this is exactly what I've been doing for such a long time. So what I just literally put out there saying, you know what, everyone is impacted by this. Um, I know how to do it. I've always done it one-on-one. -on -one. But let's give it a go and do it in a group coaching. And on Tuesday morning, I came up with the idea of the agile career, meaning you're agile with creating your own career quickly and realizing your point of difference and commercializing that, but on a lower level. So I put it out, the idea for myself on a Tuesday morning, and I was like, you know what? I just go for it. So by lunchtime, I put it out to my audience and I thought, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and I said, we're doing a five weeks course and a teach you exactly what you need to do in order to create a career and you can make money now. And on Tuesday night, I had my first two enrollments and I said, we're starting on Thursday morning. It was all the same week. And you know what, after I got the first enrollment, I just thought I have to develop this whole thing now because I didn't have anything. <laughs> I just put the concept out there. I, I didn't even know that anyone would buy it. So by Wednesday midday, I had a full house for a Thursday morning start. So you can imagine, I was just crumbling away, getting this up and running. And I said to everyone, it's going to be a beta test. I've never done it before. You're with me on this journey and it's not going to be perfect. But if you're in for it, I'm in for you too. So I had a full house and I had a waiting list already because I limited it yeah. in just case it goes pear-shaped. <laughs> I like, you know what? I did a morning class. So for those who can't do the morning class, I do a night class. And that's it, just to give it another go. That class was full straight away. I was like, okay, I'll do a third one. <laughs> but then it's, it's done. And again, it was a full house or we are still in the midst of it um, from the third cohort. And I see that it's a massive potential. And what I now see that also leaders and companies need to upskill their own stuff on how to be yeah. more entrepreneurial and teach them how to create careers over and over within a company, that everyone has to take more initiative and more responsibility about their own safety, quote right. unquote, career progression. 
So what I'm seeing now, and again, I'm going where the ball is going, not where mm-hmm. it's now, develop also a train-the-trainer system and a licensing system that leaders can do that with their teams without necessarily having me to come in. But at the same time, I could facilitate it. So I can scale my business now all of a sudden from a new angle that I couldn't do before. And at the same time, because I said, let's put together a little Facebook, uh, a LinkedIn group and support each other because it's a hard slot at the moment and it's not going to be easy. And some of the students have never been on LinkedIn active. And we know when it, how it's like to put something out there. It's like, oh my God, should I press? Oh, I'll do it anyway. I said, you know what? We're in this together and we're encouraging each other and we share the wins and also the challenges because this is how we learn. And I love how engaged the community is on LinkedIn. So what I decided last week or two weeks ago is, you know what, I'll keep that up and I want to make a membership out of it. Again, it's affordable. People need content every single month about what's happening. What does it mean for me? What's news in the industry? Where do I need to upskill? I'm creating this membership. And again, I also offer it to companies that they can send their staff to do professional development on a shoestring budget rather than me coming in for thousands of dollars per day mm-hmm. yeah. and do it this way. And you know what? I'm so excited about this opportunity because it does not restrict me from a time perspective or from a numbers perspective. And this is exactly what's needed now. So It, it yeah, is the it old is. adage that you're, instead of working in your business, you're right, you've been working on your business. I mean, there's a difference and, and you're, you're yeah. making it where it can almost operate without you. You know, at some level, you can kind of move, and you're always going to be involved in the LinkedIn group and the Facebook group and those and those cohorts. But you literally can scale, you know, your company to the point that it's not limited by your own capacity, your own personal capacity. One other thing you said that was really interesting that I hadn't really even thought about, but like, so we always tend to think like people that do not have jobs, you know, really need this service because they're trying to find a job, they're trying to get a job, like if they've been made redundant or you know, whatever that happened, you know, the company closed, but there's also people within a company that are trying to make themselves more valuable in their role. So instead of being entrepreneurial, they're, they're trying to be intrapreneurial, you know, within the company, they're trying to be entrepreneurs within a company environment. And I could see a real potential there as well. If, if, you know, for employees that, that say, Hey, I've got to really increase my value here, or they'll find somebody else to do my job. You know, yes. it's almost like reinventing yourself while you're in your current job, you know, to just make you better and more marketable within your own company. Exactly. And to be honest, this is this two-sided edge here because I have been running what I call entrepreneurship workshops with companies for the last couple of years already for them to retain staff. Yeah. Because you usually have between one and a half to three, four years, people are getting a bit stale, stagnant, or they mm-hmm. feel become any further but again if you can't communicate what you actually want of course there's the ceiling because nobody can read your mind right but if you are able to say yes i'm a software developer but i really want to go into data science now all of a sudden we've got a plan here and we are on the same page do am i already a data scientist of course not but what do we need to take the next steps to get there so now the leader can have conversations with the employee to make this transition on you know very transparent level and now, at the same time, uh, also employees need to learn how to create more value. And in fact, one of my modules in my HR career course is learn how to learn for the future of work. And we're focusing on the skills like creating value 
So how can you create value? Everyone's talking about create valuable content, be valuable, but what does it even mean? And I'm very practical with our steps. Meaning, how can you, as an employee, find ways to generate money, even though you're not in a sales position? How can you save costs by improving processes? How can you improve customer engagement and satisfaction? Because the happier the customers, the more they come back to you and you've got a right. safe job. Yeah. So, you know, this is exactly where the trend is going, that this is a two-way communication. It's as much responsibility about your individual career as much as it's um, responsibility for leaders to upskill in coaching and a new way of training and development to keep the best talents and to develop them further. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's really fun to watch. Even, even as we're doing our interview, I can, I can see you're, you're talking to me, but you're also thinking about, well, I could maybe do this or I could maybe do this. You probably well, never, run out of ideas. <laughs> never run out of ideas. That's right. It's like, like, like me, I would never run out of questions because I could just continue to ask you questions the entire time. But anyway, I, I do want to honor your time. So, um, but I, man, he said though, asking more questions and being more curious. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, take everything for granted. Yeah. It's not interesting for us. So yep. it's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But Petra, I, I have uh, just thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. Just thanks for taking the time and, and just really just giving us hope in this time of, you know, that's, that's a very difficult time. And just, I mean, I can just really see the excitement in your face about how you've even reinvented yourself in the last month, you know, in, in so many ways and, so, and how you've kind of pivoted your business to, to really be poised to move into whatever this new normal looks like. And to be ready for it, and to, and to take advantage of the opportunities that you're going to be provided, you know, in this in this time period. But just close us out with uh, anything that I haven't asked you about. Just that you just kind of want to close us out, and then tell people where the best place to find you online. Well, to be honest, I'm as you said, really excited about this time because it's the best excuse to do something differently. Especially if people have felt stuck for a while in their job that is literally a J-O-B that only pays the bills and nothing else, that they do something differently. Because everyone has to change and adjust and you don't get the weird look as to why would you do something completely different? Everyone needs to do that now. So taking the plunge now is the best opportunity to give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, we can blame coronavirus. That's right, exactly. <laughs> it's just a good way to also create your portfolio career. We may not get the full-time job and that's a good thing. We can do three different things at the same time, yep. upskilling different ways, but also build different networks that we don't put our, all our eggs in one basket. So this is why I'm so excited about, because one stream can easily dry up for whatever reason. And maybe you're just not interested anymore in that field in a year. So why put yourself into that uncomfortable situation again, that you have to then scramble and act out of fear, rather than just now putting your eggs in different baskets and see what you really enjoy and don't go hard in that and build it further. So yes, I'm, I'm super excited for what um, the changes will bring because they're going to stay here for a while and change our new um, routines. And in terms of where everyone can find me, I'm hanging out on LinkedIn 24 seven, <laughs> but you know, she never sleeps. Time, <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I'm launching this membership, which again is exciting because it doesn't restrict me in terms of uh, time, um, songs. So it's impact.com slash membership. 
And as I said, it's a low uh, fee, it's $22 US or 35 Australian dollars. And you get access to two live webinars where I also bring industry experts in who actually talk the talk and not just theoretically, this could be the thing. We wanna hear from the industry experts what's actually going on, what they value and how we can upskill in that way. Um, get workshops, resources, you know, focusing on your social media presence, on content, on negotiation, on presenting. So all those future of work skill sets that no traditional university teaches you, but this is exactly what makes you stand out and future proof yourself. It's like an MBA in the future of work. That's what you're oh, providing okay. for them. I'm going to steal this, Kevin. You steal it. I, yeah, it's, it's every time you use it, it's just 50 bucks US. So uh, you can send it to me and, and I take okay. PayPal. Yeah. So yeah. I like exactly. it. <laughs> hey, Petra, thanks again for, uh, for joining us on Rising Tide. I really just appreciate your, your time today. And, and uh, I just love hearing your story and, and just your, your enthusiasm is very contagious for all of us. I, you, you make us smile. Even, even if we're just listening on a podcast, I'm sure people are smiling when they're listening, just hearing you talk. But just thank you for sharing just your content and your story and just value and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Petra, have a great day. Thank you so much. The, the questions were spot on. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.